The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, and we are going to do some defensive back rankings in this episode. We are wrapping up our full positional breakdown for the entire draft. If you look in the feed, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks. This is Thursday, by the way. Tomorrow's show will be the mailbag. Defensive linemen, edge, linebackers. I'm sure I'm missing something else. Offensive lineman, every every position, we break it all down. And again, mailbag tomorrow. If you have a question, you can leave a five-star review. Here's a question for you. What does a World Series winning executive do after running a Major League Baseball team for 18 years? He starts a podcast. That's what he does. David Sampson hosts Nothing Personal with David Sampson, a daily podcast dedicated to giving you the truth about sports, business, and entertainment. Step inside the front office and really get to know sports. Nothing personal with David Sampson. It's available every weekday wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, it's just business. Nothing personal. Um, it is personal. We bring Josh Edwards on to talk about the draft because we love talking to Josh. And um, what's up, dude? How you doing? Long time no talk. Long time no talk. We are a week away from the NFL draft. Things are finally winding down. Um, and as everybody was hoping for, uh, unfortunately, you didn't get Brian McFadden on the defensive back breakdown. You got me instead. So <laughs> no, uh, no, don't say that. Excited to go through this list. Uh, you know, I'm sure I'll I'll provide a little bit of uh, Brian McFadden flavor here at the top of the list. All right, let's uh, let's get into it. it. The defensive back list is crazy, by the way, because once again, for the second straight year, you're just being haunted by the reminder of how dirt old we are maybe not you at least how dirt old i am because we have multiple guys on this list whose uh parents played in the nfl patrick sertan jc horn and asante samuel what a back-breaking and, and and painful realization for me speaking of samuel about you know uh, asante samuel he's actually at pick six something on uh on twitter so maybe we should he's he's really our uh patron saint of, although I guess it could be Ed Reed. Maybe it's Ed Reed. Anyway, uh, uh, you know, Asante Samuel, loved him as a player. Very much enjoy his son as well, but he is your 10th ranked defensive back in this class. Yeah, so I said, you know, bring a little uh, BMAC flavor to the podcast, obviously starting with a Seminole, but um, I believe he was on All Things Covered as well with with uh, BMAC and Patrick Peterson. 
Um, father played 11 seasons in the NFL with the Patriots, Eagles, and Falcons. Um, he does a great job of getting his eyes back to the quarterback, uh, has a great understanding of route distribution, um, just like his father did. I mean, he's, he's a little bit undersized, but he plays bigger than what he's listed, and he was involved in six turnover-worthy plays in 2020. So uh, a guy that finds him around the football quite a bit and is capable of turning over the football for your defense. All right. I mean, if he's anything like his dad, he's going to be a friggin' ball hawk like crazy. Tell me about his teammate from Florida State. You're not, you're not, I, I, I can't, I can't do it. Just tell me who, how do I, how do I pronounce his name? And why don't I know this guy? He played at Florida State. That is Hamza Nasiruddin. That's actually, uh, that's actually easy. It, it's not too bad if you say, if you say it phonetically, but a really smooth transition there. Uh, from, from Samuel <laughs> to Cyril Dean. Um, long player. Uh, you know, we talked on the linebacker podcast a little bit about the positional flexibility. Um, and that's Nasir Dean. I mean, he has the ability to, to be one of those big nickel kind of players where, you know, he might be listed as a safety, but capable of making plays in the box as well. Um, and there's more emphasis on that today than, than ever before. So a guy that can impact the passing lanes, but also come down into the box and, and make some plays and run support. All right. I dig it. I dig it. Up next on the list, Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky. Man, Kentucky, I mean, I saw Florida State and Kentucky up close just because NC State played them both this season. Kentucky in the ball game, a little shorthanded. Kentucky's defense is a lot better than Florida State's defense. Yeah, with a little bit less talent as as well. And in mm. terms in terms of recruiting ranking, for sure, for um, sure, you know, much much less uh, Bollywood is is Florida State. But uh, Kelvin Joseph is a former top 100 high school recruit himself. Uh, initially committed to LSU and decided to transfer to Lexington after his true true freshman season. Um, a guy that had four interceptions this past year, including one off of Mac Jones. Um, and he was responsible for one of the best plays that I saw from any cornerback this past year. Um, you know, he's sitting in zone. Devontae Smith comes around on a, on a play up the boundary. Um, and Joseph falls back. He starts using his body as leverage, keeping a hold of, uh, of Devontae, um, kind of boxing him out like he's a, a rebounder in basketball and then went up and got the football and, and, you know, returned it for 20, 30 yards. So, uh, one of the better plays that I saw from any cornerbacks in this draft class. Uh, a guy that, you know, I know some people question, you know, his, his interests off the field. Uh, you know, if he might be mm. in, interested, yeah, cause I think, I think he, I think he works in the rap game and, you know, some, some stuff like that. So I think he's got some other interests. Um, you know, so teams are, are kind of deciphering how much he loves the game of football, but this guy is one of the most talented cornerback prospects in this entire draft class. Um, I'm thinking he's probably going to go into round two somewhere. Uh, I've seen him in some first round projections, but I think round two is probably the sweet spot. Um, a guy that, you know, can be one of those lockdown cornerbacks for you in the NFL. Um, so I think essentially any team would be a good fit for him, uh, depending on, you know, culture fit and stuff like that. But a guy that has tremendous boundary lockdown, uh, skill set. So. Uh, he's got a wide, wide array of teams that could possibly be interested in the second round. Tyson Campbell, number seven on your defensive back list out of Georgia. A lot of SEC and ACC. I don't know. It feels like a lot of power five representation in this cornerback list. 
Yeah, Tyson Campbell was higher on this list for me, um, you know, maybe even a month ago, but I had to kind of reconcile his lack of ball production in the sense that um, he is great at staying in phase, but when it comes to locating the football and making a play on the ball, uh, it gets a little bit spotty. So, um, you know, typically those kind of players are, you know, not going to be your all pro uh, you know, Pro Bowl kind of guys where you're getting the recognition because you don't have the interceptions and statistics to show for it. But um, really great cover corner. He's just got to finish the deal. I mean, he's he's got to get his hand on more footballs. So I'm thinking late day two, early day three for Tyson Campbell, um, or late late round two, round early round three. Uh, and I look at the 49ers, the Buccaneers, uh, the Chiefs as possible teams of interest because you're looking at a team that already has – a good uh, pass rush that you can just kind of plug him in, um, not worry so much about him staying and, you know, making a play down the field because he's going to be able to stay in phase and take the wide receiver out of the game. So you're, you're looking for those teams with good pass rushers that are going to make the quarterback get the ball out quickly. I'll, uh, I'll throw Minnesota's hat into the ring there too. Maybe they go offensive lineman or edge rusher in the first round. And then in the second or third round, circle back to grab, uh, a guy like that, because, you know, it sounds like to me, if somebody can play pretty well as a press man corner, but needs to develop ball skills, that's, that's Mike Zimmer, you man. And he doesn't, won't have to start day one because they have Jeff Gladney. They have Patrick Peterson. Uh, they signed or they, they drafted, they brought back Mackenzie Alexander and also have Cameron Dantzler to cover. So like their depth is pretty good there again. It, so I, just as a fit, but I, I think you're right. There's teams with the pass rush where he doesn't have to be primarily responsible for, for the full workload back there could make a lot of sense. Aaron Robinson out of UCF, your number six defensive back. Yeah. So he's played a lot more in the field than he has the boundary. Um, so if you're looking more for the outside true, you know, lockdown cornerback, Robinson's probably not near the top of your board. Um, I do think he has this skill set to translate. I think he's, uh, got great speed. He's got great size. Um, you know, and I think he can contribute as a boundary cornerback in the NFL. That's obviously a little bit more of a projection. Uh, something that, you know, teams that have personnel guys way smarter than me are going to have to, uh, parse out and determine if that's, that's a true avenue that he could possibly take. But, um, similar to Nasir Dean in the sense that he brings a little bit more of a versatile skill set. You know, he, like kind of like a Troy Hill kind of guy where you might mm. be able to play in the boundary. You might be able to play on the, on the, on the, uh, the field as well. He offers you that ability. So, um, I look at him as a, a round two, possibly early round three kind of guy. Um, and I look at C- uh, Seattle, Washington and Las Vegas as possibly teams of interest, um, teams that, you know, are going to play a little bit more zone, um, and allow him to use his length. Good stuff. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll dive into the top five. Defensive backs on Josh's list. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Bit of a surprise here. Number five, a guy I thought I have an under on at 13 and a half and a guy I thought about splashing on at two to one, the first cornerback to be taken in the draft. Certainly not the case for you. I wouldn't think JC Horn out of South Carolina. Yeah. I still think the the ticket that you hold is probably good value. I think there's a lot of teams that could potentially take him in that range. Um, physical cornerback, great size. Uh, father was Joe Horn who played wide receiver in the NFL for 12 seasons with the chiefs. Uh, the Saints and the Falcons. Um, my issue with Horn is that he gets a little bit handsy in his in his routes downfield. Um, and depending on how that's going to be officiated, which is pretty tightly as we've seen in the past, I think that's um, potentially my only issue with him. He can do a better job of getting his eyes back to the ball, but that's really it. I mean, I love his game. Um, if anything, I probably screwed up by not owning this more because, uh, again, like I've like I've said previously, I had him as a first round pick back in May of last year, um, a guy that, you know, I saw the potential, the length and, and his, his, you know, um, aggressive play. Like I thought that translated to the first round, but uh, I just feel a little bit more comfortable taking some of these guys over him. Uh, with that said, so, no, so in other words, you were on him earlier than a lot of people, but didn't pound the table for him. So, and then so I gave that... up my seat. I gave up my seat mm. on the bus. So I still like him a lot, but um, that's you know, what I, I did. I should have that's what I did with Jordan Spieth in golf. I was like on Spieth early and then I got off of him and then he won the Masters and I didn't win. So I decided I'm just out on Spieth. I, I think it's very easy to do that yeah. where you're early, you're an early adopter and then you feel burnt because you didn't, you weren't leading the hype train. So you're like, nah, that's it. I'm out. He's handsy. Joe Horn's son, big red flags. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. no question. And, you know, I, I hope he proves me wrong. Like I, I wish him all the success in the, in the NFL, uh, early to mid first round is probably where he's going to go. Um, you know, we talked about the Cowboys as a team that's possibly in the market. I look at the Cardinals, the chargers who, you know, with Brandon Staley had Jalen Ramsey with the Rams. So, you know, you're looking for another long physical cornerback. Um, that's JC Horn. Uh, I think, I think it was before the podcast we were talking a little bit about the Panthers too mm-hmm. as a possible fit. So, um, you know, there's definitely some teams that that are going to be in the mix to possibly take him off the board early in the first round. Yeah, and look at six one two oh five with thirty three inch arms and nine inch hands. I think this is a guy where if a team. I'm not saying he's going to become Stephon Gilmore or anything. That's a sort of the lazy South Carolina, South Carolina comparison, I guess. But, you know, he has a dad who is a big physical receiver at the NFL level. And so you know that he has the, the bloodlines going there. I, I would not find it difficult to look at JC Horn and say, if we can coach this guy up, we could end up having a really special, uh, cornerback on our hands. And man, I got to tell you, three to one. Now he's risen up. Patrick Sertain, we'll talk about him in a second. Caleb Farley as well. And, and Greg Newsom. Ooh, Greg Newsom at 25 to 1 is interesting too. JC, for those not watching, we're looking at William Hill 
on our on our YouTube feed, pick uh, YouTube.com slash pick six. William Hill, the odds for first cornerback drafted minus three twenty five. Patrick Sertain, I don't think that's bettable. JC Horner three to one is fine if you want to bet that. I have no problem with that. I think it's a good number. Um, Caleb Farley six to one. Eric Stokes twenty five to one. Greg Newsom twenty five to one as well. I would have a hard time imagining anybody else on that list leapfrogging all of these guys. But do you see some value in JC Horn at three to one? Yeah, I mean, if you get him to to trust his eyes um, and his technique, his coaching, all of that stuff, uh, you're talking about a potential All Pro cornerback. So I'm I'm comfortable with him possibly being the first cornerback off the board. Uh, I like Sertan a little bit more because he's he's more clean as a prospect to me. Um, but JC Horn, I mean, he's got all of the talent to really entice teams to take him early. So if I were looking at value, uh, it would certainly be J.C. Horn at, at plus 300. Just kind of glancing very quickly back through, is there – this This is going to sound stupid, I think, but nah, maybe this is probably stupid. Yeah, I'm not going to say it. I was going to suggest, is it is it possible that um, – Nah, yeah, it's gonna be stupid. I'm not gonna mention it. No, you I, gotta the, say it now. You, you've already started twice. You gotta say it now. Well, all these Alabama defensive backs are just presumed to be great at the NFL level. I guess with, between Marlon, there, there's, there's too many that have been played well in recent years to really count. With Landon Collins, uh, Marlon Humphrey, Eddie Jackson, Minka Fitzpatrick. I'm just trying to, I'm just wondering if there's a ton of great cornerbacks from Alabama that have made the leap. And I, I feel like maybe there's not. Humphrey, again, made a Pro Bowl, so we'll give him that. I'm just, I mean, are there a bunch of great cornerbacks from Nick Saban's program that have emerged at the NFL level? Trevon Diggs, too early to tell. Yeah, I, that that brings me back to uh, D Milner, who I thought was going to be a stud. That's um, where I was going in my head, was yeah, D Milner. Yeah, and was, and was proven wrong on that, so. Um, yeah, it's, it's a dangerous game, but I understand the thought process. There's not, I mean, like Kareem Jackson, golly, there's just not a ton of them who end up getting drafted and do really well. Kind of an interesting phenomenon, honestly. Just, just food for the thought as we get to Patrick Sertain at minus 325. But before we get there, Trevon Morig of TCU. Nicely done. Yeah. I thought that was going to give you some, some trouble, but, uh, nailed it. I, I did too, honestly, as I was saying it. <laughs> um, well-rounded safety with great size at 6'2, 202. Um, significant ball production showed that he's a competitor, uh, by competing at his pro day when he was less than a hundred percent healthy. Uh, I look at him as a late round one, early round two type of player. Uh, and I see the Bears, the Jaguars, uh, and the Ravens as, as possible fits for Merrick. Okay. I want to tell you all about CBS Sports HQ this week and next week. It's going to be your home for the NFL draft. As always, CBS Sports HQ is your home to start your sports news day with live updates kicking off each morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. And HQ is always your home out of the evening's action with live picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world each day starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. As we get closer to the draft, you are going to want to leave HQ on all day because no one brings you over-the-top breaking news like CBS Sports HQ. If a draft prospect, if something's rumored to be happening – they're sound of the sirens and putting up the red banner, baby, and you're going to want it because that's actionable gambling advice for draft props. 
So make sure and leave HQ on all day for the latest NFL news, rumors, and mock drafts ahead of round one on April 29th. Think of HQ as your ultimate NFL draft war room. Check out HQ on your computer, cbssports.com, or via the CBS Sports app on your mobile phone or TV. It's always free. It's always on CBS Sports HQ. All right, your number three cornerback. I can't believe J.C. Horner's fifth on this list. Greg Newsom the second out of Northwestern. High football IQ, um, accountable when he's on the field. Unfortunately, he has averaged over four games lost um, over the past three seasons. But uh, he's a baller when he when he's on the field. Um, a guy that is going to be accountable. He's he's going to be a leader in the locker room. So uh, you're bringing in not only a quality player but a, a quality addition to your locker room as well. So you know, as some of these younger teams try to establish culture in the locker room, Newsom is a guy that you feel comfortable bringing in. Um, I look at him as a mid to late round one type of player uh, and consider the Jets, uh, the Titans, obviously, uh, with Mike Frable, you know, kind of valuing that that high football IQ and more physical style of play. Um, and then the Browns as possible teams of fit. I'll tell you who I wouldn't sleep on for uh, to land Greg Newsom, the Patriots. Yeah, I can and see it. I'm thinking that Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern are going to be Bill Belichick's new Rutgers is what I'm thinking. Like disciplined coach, disciplined coach who, you know, he knows he's going to send a finished leadership filled pro like product to the NFL level. And I, I don't know if he's going to take him there. Just a, just food for thought that it's a possibility. Um, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think Rutgers is going anywhere either though. Now that uh, Greg Schiano is, is back there. So uh, he might have, he might have two filter programs. coming. Bill Belichick can begin his Rutgers love affair anew with, uh, with Greg Schiano back there. I mean, do you think I do, have we talked about this? I mentioned this to Wilson and maybe it's somebody else and I can't remember if it was you or, or maybe Trapasso, but I sort of think there's a chance that now that Pat Fitzgerald has started, he's sending first round prospects into the NFL draft for the, like Rashawn Slater, Greg Newsom. Uh, they have one more who's on the fringe, I believe. Um, I, I just sort of think he might, I think teams might gravitate towards guys coming out of a, a, a disciplined program from a coach that the NFL is infatuated with for what, for, for re, for obvious reasons, I guess. And, and especially in a year where, you know, we talk about you can't get medicals. You don't, it's not as easy to scout guys. I feel like teams might lean on, okay, that feel like the floor feels a little bit higher for this guy who's developed really well as a prospect. Does that, does that seem reasonable? Yeah. As I, as I think you're trying to separate maybe a guys that are clustered for like you a, a little like bit. Like a, tie, a, tie, a tiebreaker situation. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, in that situation, you kind of lean on maybe the idea that some of these guys were coached up a little bit better uh, than they would have been at other programs, which obviously is going to lead to an immediate impact. Um, you know, we've seen similar thoughts, in the past with Iowa and Alabama and some other programs. Yes, so, exactly. Um, you know, I, I mean, add Northwestern to the pile, no question. Okay. Caleb Farley mentioned medicals being an issue. Obviously, Caleb Farley, some back situations out of Virginia Tech, maybe the number one overall corner if he was 100% healthy. Yeah, he's he's a long player. He's got great ball skills, which, you know, length seems to be a, a very common factor among this list. Um, had six interceptions over the past two seasons, but like you mentioned, the back injuries are a concern. I think he's had surgery uh, twice now, if I remember correctly. So, um, you know, in a year where teams are not able to get their hands on him, you know, and kind of go over his medicals a little bit, 
more that they, than they would have um, in previous years. Uh, I think that has to be taken into consideration. So I think that's probably why you see such a wide array of opinions on where he's going to be taken. Um, you know, I could see him possibly going in round two. Um, I could see, you know, a team like the Titans who took a chance on Jeffrey Simmons in the first round, possibly be a team that takes a chance on Caleb Farley in the first round. Uh, they have a need at the cornerback position. I also look at the Cardinals, the Jets. I mean, there's there's a number of teams, the Bills, the Browns. I mean, a number of teams that uh, could capitalize on possibly getting a top 10 kind of player there late round one, early round two, depending on how comfortable they are with his medical situation. You just you said that you just said the Titans, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting because they recently had great success with Jeffrey Simmons, who tore his ACL in the draft in the draft process. Now, that's a whole different ball game than a cornerback who had a back procedure, but it's still the same thing. If you view Caleb Farley as the best corner in this draft, and I'm sure there are people who just look at the film and, and do that, and you're willing to take a gamble on a medical issue, then, yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense that he would go in the first round, which brings brings me to my question as we sort of transition to Patrick Sertain. William Hill has the total of four and a half cornerbacks drafted in round one under is minus 135 over 105. Would you lean towards four or five-plus cornerbacks being drafted in the first round? We could leave it at that first draft. If Sertain and Horn are going to the first round, right? That feels like a no-brainer. Yeah. I, I guess Farley, Farley, I don't think you can definitely say he's going to the first round just because we don't know the medicals and, and teams might have a better idea. We'll see. Newsom feels like a lock to go in the first round. Yeah, I would, I would agree with all that. I, th- I think you're looking at three for sure. Um, and then if you feel confident that Caleb Farley and uh, a guy like Asante Samuel Jr. could possibly slip into the first round as well, I think that's, that's kind of your path for hitting that, uh, ticket in the first round. I think you, if you want to go over, you're getting, I think you're getting three in Sertan, Horn, and Newsom. Yeah. I'm not sure. Is Stokes at 25 to one? That feels like a weird number there, but that's fine. I think those three are definitely going to the first round. There's a pretty good chance that Asante Samuel sneaks into the first round. I like his, his under is like 41 and a half. I, I think that's a pretty good number. I, I would suspect he goes earlier than that. And then it just comes down to will Caleb Farley. You so say you need Farley and Samuel to sneak into the first round to go over to five. Yeah. So I would, I would be inclined to lean towards the no. Um, yeah. I did have, I did have um, someone with the team tell me that I'm, I probably need to go back and look at Eric Stokes again because I'm a little uh, lower on him. I, I think I have him on day two, but uh, there definitely are some, some Stokes supporters in the league. So I, mm. I don't know if that uh, leads him to being a first round pick, but. Um, a guy that has tremendous speed down the boundary. Uh, I question, you know, his, his transition to the field, but, um, you know, obviously, like I said, he's got his supporters in the league. So I, I wouldn't rule that out. It does seem a little fishy to me that he's even with Greg Newsom, but, um, yeah. to see then him at least in the top six isn't surprising. I wouldn't read too much into the odds on these, on these. Guys, cause a lot of it is reacting to mock drafts and, and rumors are, you know, it's not like they're plugged into teams necessarily when we talk about these, these betting sites. But I, I think that's a good point that, and look, you should stand by your evaluation. Don't, you know, let me go back and look at it again. If you, if you feel like watching more cornerback tape, um, of Georgia games, which 
Oh man, man. Um, I might call it a day at this point and just stand by my evaluation if I was you. Uh, oh, but yeah. I'm completely done now. I did my top 450 and I, like I submitted that on Sunday. Yeah, no, no was, more tape. No more tape. I'm I done. was wiping my, I did end up moving him up a little bit, but, uh, probably not to the liking of, uh, the person that told me this, but yeah, I've, I've kind of wiped my hands clean on, on the rankings in this class. It's sort of like fantasy football where you really don't have any business completely adjusting your rankings or your thought. Like your whatever you think in July is probably what you should be thinking in August outside of major injuries. I mean, you know, the, the more you, the more you go down a rabbit hole of trying to figure out, like trying to get cute with your rankings or a mock draft, like the mock draft that, I mean, my mock draft that comes out, you know, when I put it, when I put them out the day after the draft or used to, it was always more accurate than the mock draft that I put out you know, right before the, the draft started. At any rate, Patrick Sertan, your number one defensive back, Josh, and I think pretty clearly the number one defensive back on everybody's board, right? I honestly think there might be some people that have J.C. Horn over Patrick okay. Sertan. Um, I personally don't. I just I feel more comfortable with what I know. Um, I like to call Patrick Sertan a smooth criminal because – uh, of the, the smooth way that he plays the game. I mean, he's really technically sound. Um, obviously we, you know, just had the discussion of Alabama cornerbacks, but, um, would be coached up pretty well by Nick Saban, who, you know, has a decent background coaching the position. Um, tested well as pro day, more, more explosive, faster than maybe what we saw on tape. Um, father played 11 seasons with the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Uh, obviously that's Patrick Sertan, uh, I guess the first. Um, but just a really clean player. I mean, I, I love everything about Patrick Sertan. He's a top 10 player for me. Um, a guy that I think is going to have a pretty seamless transition to the NFL. So, uh, you look at the Panthers, the Cowboys, uh, the Eagles, Debo's Eagles as a possible fit there, um, in the top half of the first round. Yeah. I mean, if you go to mock draft database or whatever the, is it mock draft database? NFL mock draft database.com. You can look if you you can you can filter by players. You can filter by Patrick Sertan. And it's just ten Cowboys, ten Cowboys, ten Cowboys, ten Cowboys. It almost makes too much sense. They have drafted two cornerbacks in recent years, Byron Jones and Mo Claiborne. I, I don't think it's a lock that they take him there. I think they could go in a different direction. But that sort of feel like either nine or ten. And I think it's possible the Panthers go Sertan too. If if for some reason. And this would also blow up my evening, but if the Bengals go Panay Sewell at five and the Lions go Rashawn Slater at seven, it would not shock me if the Panthers decided to either go with a wide receiver or perhaps more likely the first cornerback off the board. That is a need for them. I could see them doing it. So I don't think that would be a crazy situation where Sertan goes eight to the Panthers. Feels like the Cowboys are a good bet to take him at 10, but he could fall to 12 pretty easily. Yeah, you have the scenario there where, you know, the Falcons take Pitts at four, the Bengals take Sewell at five, um, you know, the, the Dolphins take Chase at six, uh, the Lions take Waddle or Devontae Smith at seven, and then you really are looking at a situation where the Panthers either have the third wide receiver off the board, uh, Rashawn Slater, or a, a cornerback like Patrick Sertan. Or, um, or Darisaw out of Virginia Tech, which is fine, but that it feels like – you know, Matt Rule swears he's going to take the best player available. We'll see. 
Yeah, I'm still inclined to think after trading for Sam Darnold, who uh, is notably um, has been notably deficient in terms of supporting cast around him in New York. um, I am prone to think that they're probably going to go offense there in the first round um, and give him, you know, some help where he didn't get that in New York, because I think at this point, um, the eternal optimist, the, um, you know, the, the people making these trades have to bet on themselves and they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that Sam Darnold succeeds because they did give up a lot of draft capital. They're essentially saying, Hey, we know what the past looks like. We know how he has struggled. We're going to fix that. So trying to be the smartest person in the room, um, so to speak, Carolina is probably going to go out and get him an offensive player, whether that's a wide receiver uh, Panay Sewell would be fantastic. That's an ideal situation. Sure. But, you know, to fall back on another wide receiver or, um, another wide receiver, Kyle Pitts probably won't be there. But, um, one of those guys, I think, is, is probably the direction that Carolina will go. Um, and then as far as Sertan will, will fall, I, I don't think he'll get past the Eagles, uh, because just based on the way things played out before the Eagles pick, they're probably in a position where Sertan is one of the best players available on their board, um, and they would be inclined to take him if if they did not trade down. Mm, indeed. And I think, Debo, would you be fine with that, Sertan? Yeah, that's one of the ones on my list where they draft them. I'm cool with, cool with J.C. Horn. You know, I think, the guys at this point that I would not be cool with. So what you don't want is the Eagles to pass on Patrick Sertan for uh, Kadarius Tony. Right. I think Tony's no like disrespect to his game, but like that's the name that keeps it. Like I don't want the the definitive fourth wide receiver in this class. Like they, they got the probably like the 10th best wide receiver and they selected him fourth in last year's class. So let's not go down that road again. Get one of the top three wide receivers or target. Slater or Sertan or Horn or, or someone I, else. I think what the Eagles really need is Jeff Lurie to grind on some more film and, and, and get that pick in. Get his big board together. You need the, he needs to be just film dogging it and put that big board together however it looks. Maybe, you know, maybe your number one player on your, on your big board is David Mills and you just need another corner. You're a quarterback factory. I will you know, say, that, um, Cody Benjamin wrote a profile of Trey Lance today and you know if, if Trey Lance drops to 12 I'm still in I, I said that back you know the beginning of March after Carson Wentz got traded still in on Lance I'll throw that out there um so, so okay. have, you, have, have you still not read the uh the athletic profile yet <laughs> no as as Ryan Wilson highlighted <laughs> on on HQ you know I'm I'm in a good headspace with my fandom right now I know that'll distract me it'll bring me down so I'm avoiding it for the time being Ryan Wilson. I'm not sure I've ever heard of Ryan Wilson. I'm just stopping by to say I can't. I can't even hear what I'm playing, so I have no idea how long that went. If that even sounded good, but I like playing. That, that. was that was the long version. Yeah, I know. I like it because it's got the background music. When you're like, <laughs> who's Ryan Wilson? By the way, I think this is funny. So uh, as we get out of here, just we mentioned the Carolina Panthers today. Adam Schefter just tweeted. Carolina Panthers have had conversations with other teams about potentially trading back in the draft from pick number eight per source. He also notes there are all sorts of ongoing trade conversations between teams. Let's see what next week brings. I, I, I don't, I don't blame him for tweeting that out. 
I don't know if it came from the Panthers. I don't know if it came from a team that, you know, got a call from the Panthers about trading back. Uh, like even the Giants are, you know, rap sheet is tweeting that Dave Gettleman's talking about trading back. No, no, he's not. He's, he's telling people that he's thinking about trading back so that the ownership doesn't figure out that he won't trade his pick. He's not moving anywhere. May, I mean, of course these teams are calling everybody, the Patriots, Washington, Denver, anybody that's in the quarterback market is calling everybody in front of them and saying, Hey, are you interested in moving back? If a quarterback drop, if like a, if a certain player drops, they're like, yeah, absolutely. Give us a call. Here's what the, we're looking at. Of course everybody was, was willing to trade back. But that, we don't need these. It's a, we're a week and two days out. I'm tired of it. Yeah. Every team has those pre-draft conversations, you know, saying, Hey, what's, what's it going to take for us to move up? If, if in the moment we decide to do that, the player that we want is there. Uh, you're comfortable moving back. What's it going to take for us to get up there? Because at this point, we've now gotten reports that the Falcons, the Dolphins, uh, I think the Lions maybe were in there, the Panthers, the Giants. The Eagles. They're, they're all interested in trading back. Um, the Eagles are apparently interested in trading up, as are the Cowboys. You know, like there's – like it's it's a shell game at this point. Like, yeah. Insert NFL team is interested in trading insert direction here on Thursday night, depending on what's available. I mean, of course, every team is willing to trade up or back, except the Bengals. The Bengals are the only team. The Bengals, the Bengals won't trade. Dave, Dave Gettleman, even Dave Gettleman's playing the shell game, Josh, where he's floating out there. The Giants are willing to trade. No, you're not, Dave. You're not moving out of, you're not, you're not trading. You're sitting at 11 and you're taking an offense. You're taking, you're taking Patrick Sertan. You're taking, uh, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. Or Rashawn Slater or Christian Darisol. That's how it's just how it's going to go. Stop it. Or Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, there's some options, but just stop it, Dave. Anyway, anything else to add on the defensive backs before we get out of here? Uh, some of the ones that I love, other than the ones that we listed, Paul Sinadibo from Stanford, uh, a guy that opted out this past season. I think he's kind of flown under the radar. Oregon safety, Javon Holland, he's kind of flown under the radar. Um, those would be a couple of guys that I like beyond the list that we discussed today. All right. Good stuff as always, Josh. Thanks for knocking out back-to-back podcasts. Very few people are forced to sit and talk to me for an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, my wife did it voluntarily. Debo wants his paycheck and I don't know, Ryan Wilson's a psycho. So I appreciate you. Appreciate your time as always. You do a great job. Make sure and find is it Jay Edward CBS on Twitter. Just Edward CBS now. Edward CBS on Twitter. Yep. I like it. That's fine. Perfectly. That's a, that's a good move. I like that. Uh, follow Josh. Make sure and read him and all over the place at CBSSports.com. Thanks, buddy.